thank you very much. Um, I'm I'm very blessed to be here with you. And um, I got to tell you, these are some nice digs. <laughs> Just a couple years ago, I was in um, in the Carpathian Mountains. Do you know where the Carpathians are? Transylvania. Um, Transylvania. <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> Romania. Um, and we were up in this village that's primarily um, ethnic um, people who are shunned um, by the Romanians and also by the, um, the Hungarians. Most of Romania used to be Hungary. It was a very large country. And then after the war, a huge chunk of what was Hungary was given to Romania. And you know, communism was there. Um, and so the gypsy people who live in this village um, one man came to Jesus and his family, uh, and he had this house that no one was living in. It was just a two-room house, and it was like this big, from that wall to this wall, two rooms. And so um, we went up there. I was there ministering, and we went up there to minister in this village. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, because I can talk loud, but I didn't really want to offend your ears if I didn't have to be too loud. So, um, there's one light bulb in the house, and it's burning in the center, and these people begin to praise and worship God, and the heavens just seem to open, and there's one person playing the guitar, and they're singing and they're praising God. I had to walk up a hill to get to the house, and it was mud. It was just so amazing, these people were so hungry. When I walked in the door tonight, that same Spirit of Christ was here, a hunger for God and a desire for the things of God. And although you may have come from whatever part of the world or region of the world or locally or globally, that same Spirit of God was, was in here already. And then when the worship started, I'm like, Lord, I might melt like butter here in a minute. This is amazing. It really helps the prophet when the minstrel uh, is in the house. So, I love your pastors. They're really amazing people. I have a word I want to share with you. I just want to call out a few things. When I was at Monin's house about an hour and 40 minutes ago or so, uh, the Holy Spirit started just triggering some, some words to me. So I want to release them right now before I speak anything from some scripture. First of all, he reminded me of Vicky. Vicky in my church had an $80,000 school bill. And in a day, the Lord wiped that school bill out. We've been confessing for several years that education was paid for and debts were demolished. And so when he reminded me of that, I said, yes, I, I know Vicky, Lord. And, and immediately he triggered for me to just listen you who are in here right now, several of you, you're going to get a supernatural debt demolish of your education bill. Some of you need to know right now, God wants to do supernatural provision for you for your education. You need to do a little bit more due diligence and seek where the grants are. Do you hear me? But now, don't just immediately think, I'll just you know borrow some more money, a little bit more loan money for my education or for what God has for you. I'm declaring to you today that the word of the Lord is He wants to pay it up front. The reason is your destiny holds some direction 
for your life that you're not, you're really not going to have time to go right to work trying to pay that bag. So let him just satisfy that debt repayment now. I want you to set your faith with me on that. Is there anyone here who knows what I'm talking about? Paying off that, that school bill and not having loans. Is there a couple of you here? And who's ready to believe God that it would be wiped out supernaturally? And who's ready to believe God for you to get the grants or for money to come into your life where you can pay for education even now as you're going and not be encumbered with a, a loan at some point? Who believed God with me for that? I want to tell you why. Destiny is setting in this house right now, and He does not want you encumbered in any way with any kind of a financial responsibility. Because it is a responsibility. And He's going to need you to do some things to touch the nations, to be global in, in His purpose for your life. So not only did He remind me of what He did for Vicky, He's telling me He's going to do that for someone Actually, it's two people who are under the sound of my voice. It's a significant amount. He wants to wipe that out. But he also wants you to know he wants to bring grants. He wants to bring, I would, I would call it free money, but there's nothing free about it. With it comes a, a responsibility to him. He's going to give you resources for education so that then it, you will understand. He invested in you so that you will continue to seek to invest in his purposes for your life. Do I have a witness? Amen. Three? Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Get in it while it's good. <laughs> I grew up in a Pentecostal home. My father and mother were um, classical Pentecostals. Um, they would send folk from the Methodist church to our church because they had demons and they didn't know what to do with them. So our mom and dad would like get them set free, you know, and then... Send them back to their churches just because that's where they belong. So, you know, you just did that. I grew up um, I grew up where we were really Holy Ghost, Holy Rollers. I mean, like Holy Rollers. At church camp, when the power of God was... We were Toronto before Toronto was... You know what I'm talking about? I didn't bark, but we did a lot of other things. All right, great Scott. So, I just want to say, there's something so significant about this moment... In this community, here in Boston, you know, we hear a lot about what God is doing in the earth. I sense right now that you are a people of destiny. Not only the, the school bill thing, but Meniere's. Who knows what Meniere's is? Meniere's is an issue in the inner ear where it causes you to have um, dizziness. It make you sick to your stomach. It's not vertigo. It's just, it's called Meniere's. Who has had Meniere's? Who has struggled with Meniere's? Is that you? And it's you? You think? So, those of you who are around them, would you just reach your hands and put them on them for a minute? You don't mind if they put their hands on you? Okay, so this is what he said. He's going to heal Meniere's. If he reveals it, he intends to heal it. So you don't have to deal with it anymore. So, uh, sister who's sitting next to her, would you put your hands on her ears like this? And, and are, are you a significant other to him, ma'am? Like you know him pretty well, yeah. You're, that's really good. Do you mind putting your hands? On his, on his, put your hands on your ears or her. I just, I'm going to lay hands on you from a distance, if you don't mind. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I release the healing power of Christ into your body. I appropriate the strike that was put on Jesus' back for your healing. This miracle and healing is for you because of what Jesus did. He paid for it. It is yours. 
And because you raised your hand, that's all I needed to come into agreement with me for life and health to flow into your body. I begin by speaking a regeneration on the inner part of your ear, inner ear, those cavities of the inner ear, every element of your ear. I speak to you and say you will come into fullness and maturity, and I call for a recreative miracle and reconciliation of all the tissue around it, and I command all of that inflammation to be gone. And Lord, what they normally say in the issues of too much sodium affects it or triggers it, I say to you, trigger points, you do not belong in the body any longer. I set the body free and call the chemistry to come into balance and wholeness in the name of Jesus. I thank you that peace now covers them from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet. I thank you that their kidneys work perfectly and according to the plan by which the, the Creator made them and that they shall process those chemicals appropriately and perfectly. I thank you that the tissue is being made whole. Where's the migraine-headache person? Where's, where's that person? Migraines coming. Debilitating. Are they not here right now? Do you know the person? Okay, I'm going to pray anyway, because that's what I do. In the name of Jesus, I break the generational curse concerning migraines. I thank you that um, you reveal, you heal the issue with the head, the pressure in the head. I thank you that you're bringing restoration. I thank you that there is a newness of life flowing into their body. That migraines will not any longer even be part of their conversation. And I thank you that they're not going to use the word my migraines ever again. We just reprove that false confession. You are our healer. You are the healer. We confess we are the healed of the Lord. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I give you honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Veneers is not fun. Don't like it. Um, open your Bible with me, if you would. Do you have it? Or open your iPad with me. <laughs> or your iPhone. <laughs> In Boston is the first time I've ever said that. What a neat day. <laughs> um, would y'all just take a look at some scripture with me and... Would you all let me just um, bring a word to you? I'm going to begin in 2 Kings chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say to you, I really appreciate Pastor Marlene's introduction. I might hire her to go with me when we go play. But what she didn't know was what I was going to share with you tonight. And so, um, it is the word of the Lord to you and to this house. And the efforts of this house, Jehop, Justice House of Prayer, and even this new church and the location where you're going to be. You and I are living in one of the most critically important times ever. Um, every time a young generation's growing up, we will hear voices say, You're the generation that's going to do a great thing. And the answer is, Yes, that's correct. In fact, my sons now stand on my shoulders and they see further than I can see because my parents lifted me up to stand on their shoulders for me to look further than they could see. 
it's appropriate for us to arise to the occasion whereby which somebody else who has prayed in Christ, sought the face of God, listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and declared and decreed things into the atmosphere, and believed that there was a teleological purpose for their life. That then um, they would raise up another generation to stand up on those shoulders and look further and declare a decree and do the very same thing. It would seem, though, that we live in a moment in time, eschatologically speaking, where God is enhancing or speeding up the process by which His commission that He's given to us uh, would be accomplished. And yet, in the midst of what I would say it seems to be some of the greatest moves of God in revival, standing in the Carpathian Mountains and looking at these people just pour out their heart to God and seeing the same thing of you today, not Transylvania, but Boston, discovering His glory and listening to this psalm, these psalmists as they sang, and they, yes, Lord, let that anointing flow into me. So let that piano, you know, just play. And I was, I was just like, mm-hmm, I'm drinking, I'm drinking, and confirming. The, the, the thought I believe the Holy Spirit has for us at this moment is this. You and I need to prepare a place where life flows. Prepare a place where life flows. We live in a generation that wants to stop life out of convenience Mm -hmm. more than ever before. Mm -hmm. And yet, the Bible said that in those certain days that would come, when darkness was gross, light would be brighter. Mm -hmm. So when people only want to talk about the grossness of the darkness, they've missed the whole scripture. The Mm -hmm. Word of God was identifying that the light would be brighter more intense, illuminating. Not just a spotlight that kind of goes around a little bit, but that the noonday sun of God's glorious light would be shining in the midst of darkness being really gross. If there ever was a time where um, the enemy of our soul wants to abort destiny in our lives, it's now. I don't like to call the enemy a fool because I don't even want to bring a railing accusation against the enemy of our soul. But I will never back down and invite you never to back down. Back down to Him when God has set destiny in your heart and a plan and a purpose for your life. You've been marked. And you and I are called to prepare a place where life flows so that resurrection power is part of your everyday living. God is not interested in a one-time miracle. He's not interested in just a one-time... Well, I remember back in the day when God did... He healed a hangnail. That's great, praise God. (laughs) This is the day for you and I to live in what I would call resurrection power. And we're going to prepare a place where life flows. So in in this 2 Kings chapter 4... I see verses 8, 9, and 10 I want to look at for a second. Now, I'm going to read to you from, if you don't mind, the New King James Version. I like the Amplified, I like the NLT, I like, a, I like a lot of them. Now, it happened one day that Elisha, he went to Shunem, and, and there was this notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food, so it was that as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food, and she said to her husband, so a relationship has begun. 
she says to her husband, Look now, I know that this man is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed up there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. I'm going to address those four issues. Let's put a bed, let's put a table, a chair, and a lampstand so that it will be that whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Sometimes we like it when God sends someone along the way to speak into our life at a very dark moment when we're going through. It's great to get a hand up from the gutter when it feels like we've just done take a trip and face in and we're bleeding and it's nice when someone comes along with a you know a cool refreshing drink and, and, and wipe the blood off but there is something so significant about this passage and about your lives right now um, you might have been in the past one of these individuals like the woman of Shunem a notable woman when the Bible says notable there's something very significant about that God is raising up notable people right now, and He wants to birth in them something beyond just a meal every time somebody walks by. She knows that this man's a man of God, and she invites him in every time he passes now. How is it that she would know he's passing by, but that she's looking? So I'd like you to take note with me that this is a notable woman of Shunem. She's living in the northern kingdom. She's not down in Judah. She lives in the northern kingdoms, Elisha's passing by. This is a woman who was watching regularly for when the man of God would come by. And she has a clue, because she understands the cycle of worship. So there are certain times when the prophet's going to go to the cities, and he's going to be providing an opportunity for people to worship the Lord. So she is always mindful of the season. She's always mindful of the appointed times for worship to take place. And as a notable woman... Busy as she is with her husband's household, she's watching for him and invites him to come in and she prepares a meal for him. And this has happened enough times that now she's saying, I want more than just to provide a meal for the man of God. I want to do more than just provide a, 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 a small dinner engagement with this man who represents a conversation between God and the human race. So she says to her husband, let's build a place for him. Let's prepare a place for him here on her house, up above. And the reason why up above is important is because that's actually a more important place. A place of honor. Away from the animals and the stench. Away from the issues of life. Let's give him a place where he can have some privacy and, and it can be a little more quiet. And let's put a bed in there. And you know, the husband's thinking already, you know, how much is this going to cost me? And, and, and she wants a chair and she wants a table and she wants a lamp. But he does it. This guy, you've got to understand something about this time and this culture. This is a man who's older. He's married a younger woman. I don't know if his first wife has died or what, but I know that this woman he's married is a younger woman, he's an older man, and they have no children. But she desires something more than just a drive-by blessing. Can I get a witness? Amen. Is there anybody here that was raised like Spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal, anything like that? Wave at me. Okay, I will need 
a courtesy blessing, hallelujah, every so often, you know, like, come on with it, something, you know, let, let Nigeria cry out, please, from the back row with it, hallelujah, so I want that for every so often, so the, there's a couple of questions for us to consider here, why is this so important, this man of God, this prophet, I want to say something to you, he represents the Holy Spirit for you and I today. Elisha is a representative in this Old Testament of the Holy Spirit. He passes by, he's invited in, there's fellowship, but then he leaves. Now she's longing for something more than just a drive-by shikamosha. shop. She wants more than just a few doodads up and down the spine. She wants more than just a, oh, I like looking into his face, I see the glory. A lot of people are satisfied just observing the glory, but they don't want it too close for too long. She wants it. And she says to her husband, we're going to make a place for him so that when he's passing by, he has to come and stay. And we won't make him stay on the couch, can I get a witness? We're going to give the Holy Ghost a place of his own, right on the inside. We're going to make room for him. So the question is, um, will you make a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell in your life? Will you allow the God of eternity, past, present, and future, to take up an abode on the inside? Will you allow Him to do more than just a drive-by blessing on a Sunday afternoon when the music was just like so tight and everything was gravy, it was Camelot at J-Hop. It was just wonderful. Life was gravy and all, everything was like sweet. What? I said sweet. It was good. More than that. You live in a cultural time where people are willing to have a, a little doodad up and down the spine. When they hear someone talk a testimony of what God has done, so many people are like, oh yeah, that's, that's nice for you. That's nice for them. No hunger. They have their house, their life is so packed full of stuff, there's no room for them to even invite the man of God, invite the Holy Spirit, New Testament concept here, to invite him in to have fellowship. It might be because of shame, because there's something on the wall you don't want the Holy Ghost to see like he ain't already seen it. This experience that this woman wants is one where he will, he will inhabit the same facilities where she's at. She doesn't lay a sheet and a blanket out and say, well, you just rest as long as you want, knowing that when she gets up in the morning, it's going to disturb him when she's trying to cook dinner or breakfast or whatever, and him not get to rest what he wants. She makes a place for him that's specific for him to rest, for him to sit, for him to see, for him to receive nourishment. This woman of Shunem does not require that the man of God has to eat all of his meals with her now. She's not going to monopolize his time. She's going to honor him. It's more than just what we've done sometimes in our culture. We really want the Holy Ghost when we want the Holy Ghost. We want him to come and be in our life because right now I'm feeling a little more sanctified than last week and you know, I'm, I'm, my, my language is a little cleaner or whatever. It, and so 
The Spirit of God is looking for a place to, to dwell. And the message is a place where life flows. I'm going to get there. So you and I, when we think about the power of uh, the Holy Spirit living in our lives, I think about resurrection power. Amen. I think about the kind of power, God, that brings to life that which was dead. Amen. Is there anybody here saved? Anybody here, you know Jesus is your Savior? Amen. Do you remember that day when, when you said, come in, Jesus? Who remembers when there was newness of life? Yeah. I was seven years old. I hear my Kojic anointing coming on, and here comes a little hand of me through my head. I could have church all up in my own head right there. Wow. So I remember, I was at camp. And that preacher was preaching, and he said, sin is nasty, and Jesus is fine. I raised my hand. I got six, seven years old. I remember when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How many of you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm talking about when he filled you, it flowed out, and you couldn't yeah. stop it. It just kept coming and coming. It was like a, a, an artesian well flowing. Have you ever seen Niagara Falls, upstate New York? Have you seen Niagara Falls? That's what I call Holy Ghost baptism. It just flows. So I remember the, these encounters with the Holy Spirit. Uh, resurrection life. When you got saved, something new happened. Your spirit was new. You were born again. You were shown thy liggy liggy happy. Are you hearing me? You were filled with power. And it made you want to praise Him. Come on. Like all day long. And then people thought you were like weird. You're like, you think I'm weird? You're weird. Hello. Folk out there are weird. Did you walk the streets of Boston lately? There's some weird folk in Dallas. I got weird folk in Missouri. I know they're weird because it's spelled with an I on the end, but pronounced with an A. Go ahead, Missouri. This is our moment for us to allow a place where life will flow, not just abide. But she's inviting him to abide. So that was the next step. It was important. I do want to point something out to you in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, 18, 19, 20. Ephesians 1, 17, 18, 19, 20. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of His glory of, of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe now I'm getting happy according to the mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And because of salvation, you and I have been raised from the dead. So God wants to bring some dead things in our world to life again. And he's looking for change agents. He's not looking for CIA, Christians, you know, pretending or, or, or creeping or lurking or whatever. He, he is looking for people who are... Fully engaged. Amen. People who say, I, I am going to be a conveyor of life. Amen. I said a conveyor of life. Amen. Because we've spoke so many death words over ourselves. It's a wonder we're still walking with the Lord. It, we're going to stop that. We're going to speak words of life over ourselves. Sometimes I get in a mirror and I say things to myself. So that I can reverse the things that I said. In fun and jesting. Like, oh, you know. I went to Omar the tent maker to get this shirt because I'm so big. And then I realized 
stop saying that or you will be going to Omar the tent maker for the next size up. So I look in the mirror and I reverse those words over myself. Oh, that's really nice, you weak-minded fool. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. Weak-minded fools are dying in their destiny. Just felt a sea love right there. There are people who are dying in their destiny, meaning they haven't, they haven't even stepped into it. They got it in them. They haven't. Building a place where life flows. I, I am looking at movers and shakers. I'm looking at people. It's it's every day. It's every time we engage the Lord in worship. Every time we engage Him in in intercession. Every time we just come before Him. Blessing his name, you are you are you're taking steps, you're taking ground spiritually speaking, but then every time you open your mouth out there, not just in here, you are establishing the kingdom, you're establishing a place where life will flow. That this will become not just an incubator of life, it will become the conveyor. That we will be more than a, a well or a pond. Um, there there are some wells that are very shallow. A little bit of dirt, and it's all dirty. But there are wells that flow with artesian uh, forces of water. Anything drop in there, it don't matter. The water is stirring. You can drink from it. I stood beside an artesian well not that long ago. One million gallons of water pours out of that thing in just a matter of minutes. It just comes up out of the earth. It's cold. It's clean. And it's coming out of this tube. Tube's about a big around. And I was watching that and I thought, this is amazing. That is a picture of the power of life, the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer flowing out of us. Not, not some decrepit, stagnant pond of water somewhere where there's no life flow in or life flow out. Pastor Marlene and I have both been to Israel and she can tell you that the Dead Sea is dead because there's no flow out. It's wealthy, but it's dead. I want to say this to you. There's dead things in the world that you and I are living in right now that you and only you are appointed to bring life to. Your, your divine Holy Ghost encounter with somebody. The dude who's holding on to that handrail on, on the, do you call it the T? The T here? Yeah. You know, when you're, on the, when you're on the T and you're traveling from point A to point B and the guy's holding it there and he's got his jam in his ear and he's like, <laughs> Lord, I'm, you're freaking me out, Jesus. I got to what? I got to tell him what? Tap him on the shoulder. And when he gives you that, you know, it's always the first look like, say, get up off me now. Don't even get near me. But you have to risk because you are an artesian well, and there's something dead in him that needs to come to life. Yes. And when you have that word of the Lord inside you, and you look at that person and say, I don't know you from Adam, but God said to tell you. And they look at you like, Oh, you're a psychic reader, aren't you? You from Long Island? <laughs> you can tell them, no, I'm from Long Island. <laughs> I don't listen to lying demons. Come on. I was just looking for a come on or a yes, amen or something. Christians aren't the only ones here in spirits. But the rest of them are lying. Prepare a place for life to flow. What time do we get out of here tonight? Okay. 
pop through something here. Alright, you ready? Yes. Yeah. 2 Kings chapter 4. So this woman, she does this amazing thing. She builds this place. The man of God goes there. He is so blessed by it. He says, I just want to bless this woman. He tells the servant Gehazi, you don't need no Gehazis in your life. Who, who's already read this passage before? You already know. Don't want no Gehazi in your life. Gehazi is his servant. And it's amazing how Elisha lets him hang around because Elisha knows exactly what he is. But he does. There will be Gehazis in our life. Go ask that woman what she wants or what she needs. Gehazi says, well, I, I mean, you know, she's pretty wealthy. She built you this apartment. Everything is fine and whatever. But she don't have no son. And, you know, the old man's old. <laughs> don't look like that going to happen. And the man of God says, go call her. And she stands in the doorway. Now, I want to say something to you. There are going to be times where the Holy Spirit is going to say something to you. And if you don't come all the way in the room... You're going to have a hard time receiving what the Holy Spirit's trying to say. She only stood in the doorway. And the word of the Lord comes to this prophet, and he declares that you're going to have a son. And so it's amazing. She's so committed, her resources, her husband's money, to build this apartment. And uh, she's going to make a place for him. And she puts these four elements in there. And, he, and here she is now standing in the doorway. It could be false humility. I don't want to intrude on your space. I don't know. But I know that she's not quite committed to hearing anything other than what he might say from a distance. And then when it's the very thing in which there is a tomb and not a womb in her life. Somebody needs to write this down on your heart. She had a tomb. It was supposed to be a womb, but the husband's older. You know, she needs a son because that is her social security for later in life. Her provision will come through her lineage. And this husband's really good to her. But she has no child. And the man of God makes a promise. And she's like, don't you lie to me. Immediately you see a revelation. Some of you sitting right here right now. God's going to reveal things to you. And when you begin to speak into that, people are going like, don't you lie to me. Don't you tell me God's going to do that in my life. And not to really be God. You'll know that that's a place where a tomb has a, a stone in front of it. It's supposed to be called the heart, the womb of the heart to receive the word for it to grow and mature and come to birth. But at that point in her life, her womb is a tomb. She doesn't think that blessing will ever come. But so no. <laughs> she gets pregnant. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay, let a man say thank you, Jesus, because you do understand what I said earlier. God was good to the husband. She gets pregnant. She has a child. He's growing up. He's a little guy. And one day he's out in the field. I'm really hurrying. He's out in the field with his daddy and he has a headache. Who knows the story? This little boy has a headache and he says, Daddy, my head hurts. Now daddy is still over so he can't, he can't run him up to the house so he has a servant run the boy up to the house, takes the boy to the mama, sets him there on her knee, and that boy dies. This boy has a heat stroke. He was out in the field with his dad, and he dies. Can you imagine a 
things that were running through her mind at that moment. I brought him up in my house. I fed him some really good meals. I spent some money on groceries. I convinced my husband to build an apartment. We put a bed for him to rest, a table for him to take nourishment and eat, a lamp so he can read into the dark night. I put a chair there so that he can relax. I did not ask for a child. I just was satisfied with the presence of God being near. But the presence of God, when it comes into your life, will always bring a seed to bring forth destiny. She's pregnant. She has the child. The child's in the field. The child dies in her lap. And I know a lot of women. I'm a pastor. I've been pastoring. I've been preaching for 34 years. I'm 20,000 years old. (laughs) Well, it sometimes feels like. I know people who've gotten promises and God blessed them and then they would just want to curse God and die. But this woman takes her promise, the lifeless promise, the corpse of her promise, and she walks up these steps, she lays him in the bed. She says to her servant, go get me that Maserati donkey. <laughs> and we go and find the man of God. So they got, it might have been a Mercedes donkey, I don't know. Is there a D word for a car that I could have said? Dodge. A dog donkey. <laughs> she tells us, that's nice, that's nice. She said, Dodge. And she tells her servant, I want you to drive that thing fast. We're going to go find the man of God. And don't slow down unless I tell you. This woman, I'm, I'm wondering, is she going to go find him and snatch the old man bald-headed? It, what's she going to do to him? He made a promise, the promise comes to pass, and now the promise is dead. And in his bed. <laughs> she is on her way to find the man of God, and he sees her from a distance. I don't know how far away it was, but it would, it would appear in Scripture it wasn't close. And as the man of God sees her coming from a far away distance, he says, Gehazi, go find out what's going on with her. Don't make her get all the way up here. Run to her. And so as soon as Gehazi gets to her, she, he says, you know, is everything okay with you? And she says, all is well. It is well. She, this is a woman who has every right to start to cussing now. To say, You've, you have dashed my hopes. You have given me a false promise. But... I am convinced that a woman who would feed the man of God or make provision for the presence of God and then make an apartment to bring him as close as possible and serve his needs and take care of whatever it is he needs, any woman who would do that, no wonder she had the ability to lay the corpse of her promise in the man of God's bed and make her way for him because she's going to have him come and take care of business. Did you hear what I said? Business. That's Detroit ghetto up where I was from. Did you hear me? She's going to take care of business. All is well. And I didn't tell you to slow down. Keep this donkey going. She gets to the man of God. The man of God says, is everything okay? She announces to him what the problem is. 
He says to Gehazi, take my staff and you go and lay it on the face of that boy and uh, I'll come as quickly as I can. Gehazi goes to this house. Gehazi has no vested interest. He takes the staff and like with the tips of his fingers, he lays it on the boy's body. Because as a Jew, he understands that this is not a family member and this boy is dead and if I touch him, I will become ceremonially unclean. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to become ceremonially mm -hmm. unclean when you're doing the business of ministry. When you're praying, when you're touching people's lives, when you're witnessing, when you're preparing a place for life to flow, you're going to have to do something mm -hmm. that will make you ceremonially unclean. But Elisha's on his way. Can you say, Elisha's on his way? So when Elisha finally gets there, and nothing has happened for Gehazi, because Gehazi don't have the goods. Aren't you glad that the Lord still sends Elisha to take care of business? And so the Holy Spirit in the New Testament wants to take care of business. Whatever promise you have heard from the Lord, whatever has been birthed in you, whatever dream, whatever vision, I'm speaking to somebody today. May you believe that God has something for you to do and you were fully engaged in it. And while you were minding the business of the kingdom, it died. I want you to know that Elisha, the Holy Spirit, is yet coming to the house. That old man walked up those steps. He got into that room. He sent the rest of them out. And when he went in there, the Bible says he laid down on that boy's body. And he began to call on God and pray. The Bible says that the boy's body warmed up. Life began to flow. But the boy didn't come fully to life. The man of God got up and he walked around and he's praying in this room. I've got to tell you, this little, you know, lickety-split thing that we think we're going to snap your fingers and get God to do something for you? Mm. Y'all don't even know I'm preaching to you like I preach to my own folk. In Missouri, we did, it, the, the theme of the state is show me. I'm like, show me? You mean I kind of like, we got to do it before you believe it? No wonder you haven't got it. I'm telling you, don't do that to Jesus. Don't tell him, you got to show me your stuff before I'm going to believe. He done showed it. He did this. Kaboom. Kaboom. He, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He is alive. He said to Thomas, there it is. Look, right there it is. This is me, Thomas. And he ate with them to show them that he wasn't a, a, an apparition or a spook, a, a ghost of some sort. That he had a resurrected body. Here he is. Manifesting himself, and he spends what 40 days with them? The same Holy Ghost that came to us in the book of Acts is still on the planet, and he's still activating destiny in your life. He's still bringing about the birthing of ministry, and even when it feels like what was born and birthed in you, and even beginning to nurture, and it's young, and it's maturing, and then it dies in the heat of a, of a single day, go lay that thing in the bed of the Holy Spirit. Go put it in that place where you made an abode for Him. Because the Scripture goes on to tell us that as He prayed, that boy came back to life. I declare to you right now, you're here. And you're listening to me. 
there's some people in this room right now, you need it now. You need to know that, that God wants to breathe and bring life back into that dream and destiny. Those things you've been praying about, those people, those loved ones you've been praying for, God's ready to bring life back into them, resurrect them. And for some of you, your moment will come when it seems like in the beautiful day, the sun is shining, a little headache turns into death of a dream or a vision. But if you'll prepare a place for life to flow, even as it was with this amazing prophet, the power of God that flowed from his body, from the command of the word of the Lord, into the body of this little boy, we're going to have to be willing to touch some folk who are dead. We're going to have to become ceremonially unclean. You're going to touch the untouchable. You're going to get to hug the unhuggable. You're going to let them breathe into your face and find a Holy Ghost anointing not to grimish because of the unsweet aroma. And yet God will give you in that moment the ability to see bright before your eyes the birthing of a destiny. The person who had a plan and a call of God on their life, the person who was destined for the kingdom, come into the kingdom. Return to the kingdom. When you and I prepare a place for the Holy Spirit, you and I give Him some things to work with. We give Him our hands, we give Him our heart, we give Him our talents, and we give Him our resources. When you and I give Him everything we are, it's amazing how life comes and fills us. His life comes and fills us with an, an activity of a dimension of the Spirit that transcends even what seems possible, probable, You and I were called to live in the supernatural. Amen. I'm so like up to here with people who are ghost hunting. Seriously? You go to a house so you can have the bejeebers scared out of you? <laughs> people who go looking, you know why? Because they want the supernatural in their life. They're looking for something beyond the mundane of existence. And we have been given that person, the Holy Spirit, to release that power, not only in our lives, but through our lives. To, to prepare a place for life to flow, so that it might mean you have to literally get really close and hug somebody to life. To embrace them. When they're at the moment of thinking about aborting their life. Oh my. Y'all, I'm so, I'm messed up. I've come to Massachusetts and God has messed me up. I'm pastoring down there in Joplin. It, Joplin and, and uh, Manchester, Kentucky fought back and forth on who got to be number one in methamphetamine use. They, you know, they were busting the houses where they made meth, so then what they started doing is making it in their vehicles. So these, these vans would crash into buildings. Why? Because they were overcome with the fumes. I mean, it was just like, it was like you had to watch out, literally. You had to drive defensively. People in Joplin were like making meth on their car because the popo already knew where they lived and they were going to show up and try to bust them. Then a tornado. 
comes through our town. An EF5 that had a huge vortex in the center with multiple arms like an octopus swinging out and tearing up the city. It wiped out 30% of our town, and the majority of it was where a lot of death and destruction already was. We're in the midst of recovery, but the post-traumatic stress disorder and issues now are far beyond what we could have imagined. Teenagers being strong for the little kids are now hanging themselves and killing themselves because they can no longer just be emotionally strong. I mean, when you're the sound man at my church and you're letting your dog out to some go potty and you look in your backyard and your neighbor's kid is hanging in the tree, that's not a good thing. When the 15-year-old says to the mother, Hey, I'm going to take a run, just like she does every night. Runs halfway through the park, sits down on the park bench, and spins a round of... Her brains are on the tree. When, when issues with marriages and families, we were already at a 50% loss of marriages have now increased. We're child abuse. There are 574 children in foster care in Jasper County where I live and only 70 foster care homes. How do you do 8 to 1 ratio? Issues. What do we need? We need the Holy Spirit. So we've been making a place for life to flow, for the supernatural. And I come up into Massachusetts and go to her place. And yesterday at the block party, I sat down under the tent and there's this guy. His name is Peter. I go, hey, I'm Daniel. He goes, I'm Peter. I said, how you doing? He says, I'm doing good. It's great. Where are you from? Right here. I live right here. Where do you go to church? Oh, Pastor Marlene's my pastor. Oh, that's cool. Said, well, tell me about yourself. Well, let me tell you. I was on my way to kill myself. I'm like, I'm wondering if that means like right now, today, <laughs> previously, you know, I like zone in. <laughs> you may need to rescue him right now. Who knows what's going on? But the smile on his face is saying everything's, you know, fine. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, I'm listening. He goes, yeah. Uh, my wife died. We were partners in life. I loved her. She was everything to me. When she died, my life was gone. And I got very angry with God. Really angry with God. I didn't like people. I'd walk up and down the streets. People would look at me. And I would go, hey! And I would yell at him. And I'd say words I shouldn't say. Like, wow. And then he says, I was so angry. I just made a decision. I didn't want anyone in my life. And my family would come. And they'd knock on the door. And I'd just sit in the dark. I wouldn't answer the door. I decided that I was not going to live any longer. So I went to the woods. And I found the right tree. I'm like, oh. And then he says, I went home. And that Sunday morning, I got my backpack and I put my rope in it. And he was on his way to his tree. When he heard some music coming out of a house, a storefront. And he barely touched the door. And the moment he barely got it open, he said, it all went away. The anger, the sorrow, it just melted off. He said, I opened the door a little, and Jesus took the hinges off, and I came in. And I've been here ever since. I'm happy. I don't have to say, do you got the backpack with you? I, know. I was concerned for what, but he's got the smile, but that don't mean nothing. You know, there's lots of people with smiles. Get ready to go date, do some harm to themselves. He says, so just 
Just open the door to Jesus a little bit and he'll take the hinges off and you'll be okay. I start crying. I'm sitting under the tent and I'm thinking, this, this dude has just revealed an amazing word to me. He's just told me that when you build a house of prayer, somebody out there on the street walking by just might find out that there is a place where life is flowing. Amen. That when you get over to that, that building, the, the what's it called? The Sheridan. The Sheridan. Lord, the Sheridan don't even know what's coming their way. Yeah. There's a title, a tsunami in the spirit Woo! coming. <laughs> that there are Peters who are walking by. They've already picked out their tree. They got the rope on their nice little neat backpack and they're on their way to bungee jump for the last time. Do you know what I'm saying? He's alive. He's in your church. He cleans it. He's part of your ministry. He, just, you know, he helps and cleans it. And Peter messed up my life this weekend. And I thought to myself, yes, Peter, you prepared a place for life to flow. You, you built a, an altar. You, you, you had worship going forth. You just said, Jesus, we want you here for whoever you want to reach in there and happen. You're doing that here right now. But will you do it right here? Because it's not just this house. It's the one you live in, the apartment you're in, the... Uh, the school that you're going to, the, the room, the dorm room, wherever you are, will you prepare a place for life to flow? Because I believe that he wants, he wants more than just a once and a while dinner with you. He wants more than just a casual meeting. He wants you to prepare a place for him to live and dwell. Because there's going to be a time when you close your iPad and don't read the rest of your notes. There's going to be a time when your dream has a headache and dies. My prayer is that you'll be like the mother who doesn't let the wrong word come out of her mouth and declares, it is well. And, and you run this dodge as fast as it'll go until it gets its donkey up to the man of God. And you let him know you will be coming back with me to the house and the place I built for you because you made a promise to me and you're going to keep that promise. I just want to know, is there anybody up in here who knows that God likes New England kind of face? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like New Englanders know how to get in the face of God. They're like, and God? <laughs> you said. You know, in Missouri, they, they don't do that. They're like, up in Detroit, they do out there by where I live. They all up and they they are so media on God and everybody else. Y'all don't know. Tyler Perry may have been in New Orleans, but he lived in Jackson, where I live, is what I'm telling you right now. Peace be still. Are you here? You here in the New England area, you need to just be able to get up in God's face. He wants to know that since you've prepared a place for Him, He's come into your life, that you would come to Him with boldness and say, you made the promise of eternal life. You made the promise if I would make room for you in my life, you would come in and fill it. So I'm expecting that you will bring to life what has died. If you'll make a place for Him, when the time comes, you can be up in God's face since He really likes it. And that he would reveal in that moment life. And that he would breathe upon that dead thing or that dream that you think is gone. He would raise it to life. 
you're not going to get away. This generation isn't going to get what other generations got. Some generations have gotten a pass on it. You ain't going to get it. Did you hear me? I'm 50, and I'm telling you now, you're not going to get away with it. This generation, God is saying to you, I want you up in my face with worship. I want you up in my face with adoration. And I want you up in my face with my promise that I've made to you. And I want to know that you know that I will keep my promises and that my word is good. God wants to know you have that kind of faith. You have that kind of tenacity. And you will break every chain. You will break every chain. The word of the Lord is in this house. You have pastors that deliver the word of the Lord. This house is not lacking the word of the Lord. The prophets are here. This house is not lacking any of the presence of God. It's here. I see no lack other than space, but you've worked that one out. (laughs) What I see is destiny. And if destiny seems to have a headache one day, and it gets laid on the lap of the spiritual parentage, and it seems to as if die, will you have the ability to lay it in the bed where you've made a place for the Lord, and believe for life to flow back and bring the promise alive? You know, you are the generation. You are the generation. You're the generation. And I'm looking at you right now with clearer eyes since I put my glasses on. And I see your smiles and I don't see anyone foaming at the mouth, so that's good. Your day is now. So be forewarned. Whatever you've been believing God for, You may have to lay it in the bed of the man of God. You may have to lay it in the place that you provided the Holy Spirit to abide in you. But He will bring life to it. Prepare a place for life to flow so that when that moment comes, you will know that I'll take no other conversation with anyone. I'm just going to one more time run through this. She didn't talk to no one else. She didn't engage anyone in passerby conversation. She said, you run this Dodge donkey until it gets there. She got there and she declared what she wanted from the man of God. Will you declare in this New Testament day what you want from the Holy Spirit? He's a gentleman, but he, he is the conveyor of the roar of a lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the proclaimer of the words that Jesus spoke. He is the empowerment force of the Godhead in the kingdom. And He wants to bring life to the places that are dead. And now I'm listening. Do you mind just playing something for me? I know that in this room right now, there are some who all... At your young age now, you already have experienced death in areas that you're wondering, will that ever come to life? Well, this word is for you. And I'm declaring to you today that God is come this day to say, because you prepared a place for life to flow, you have the right to receive the promise. And will you relinquish the promise into the very 
the, the intimate place of the bed, the place that God would rest in your life, would you lay the promise there and trust Him with it? The woman didn't stay in the room. She left the child in that upper chamber and she went downstairs. It was no longer her responsibility. She had done her part and the Lord brought it about. We entrust the Lord with the part that needs to come to life. Would you be willing to give up owning rights to dictating the process of wholeness so that He can bring restoration? And would you let Him bring healing? And you, did you did y'all know that you have been called by the Holy Spirit in this generation to be conveyors of the miraculous? you understand that? Not just that your dreams and destiny come to life, but these hands, your hands, have been called to be workers of miracles, to perform the deeds of the Godhead. You've been called by God to be active in His supernatural powers. I'm convinced that so many times we just sell the Holy Spirit short that scripture and we think that there's just one or two gifts we might once in a decade be involved in. I see it so differently. I see where at any given moment, one or two or three of those might be active in your life. In another moment, it's another one because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Those gifts are His. They're supernatural. He desires that they be active in the life of the believer and life to flow where death is. So right now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I ask that you would convert the tomb into a womb again, and that where death has been laid, you would breathe upon it, and life would come to it, and there would be a living soul, the child, this promise, this destiny, this purpose that God has birthed, and it was growing, that you would allow it to come forth, and to come to maturity, and then provide throughout its teleological uh, end its purposes, relationally, fruitfulness, character, legacy, inheritance. God, I just thank you that this people, under the sound of my voice, have been called by you to be conveyors of the life force of God. saying, 
I will receive unto myself again the dream that died. I will receive it into my arms alive. And you're with you, by your standing, you're saying, I have surrendered the process to God, the Holy Ghost, but I will receive the promise again into my arms, and I will embrace it. And so I want to do a couple of things. First of all, I want to just say this to that spirit of abandonment. Be gone in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You will not be a trigger point to walk into doubt. So we break the spirit of abandonment in Jesus' name off the life of these precious ones who are here. And Lord, anyone standing or anyone setting, I declare abandonment is broken. We reveal you and, and your traits are a trigger for death and doubt. And we decree life. We decree that every human in this room will develop within them a place for life to flow and abandonment will not be part of it. Can I get a witness? So we release the spirit of abandonment from your assignment. I know where you came in and I declare that you must leave and you go now in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I appropriate the blood of Jesus on the heart, the place in the heart where abandonment had its attention. Be gone and now let life and let healing flow there. Father, I thank you that dreams are now being resurrected and passion for you. This room has been an incubator for the supernatural. This room, this, this justice house of prayer is, is a place for birthing. It's a, a birthing room of purpose and destiny. And what has appeared to die is in the very bosom of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you have said, you will bring the life what you promised in the lives of your people. And so this night, this very afternoon, as these are standing, we declare that life flows, that life is flowing into their very being, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, from the very front of their heart to the back of their heart, throughout every part of who they are. I ask that you would walk the corridors of their heart even now. I got a picture, so I'll say it to you. I see, I see the heart. I see many hallways, and I see a hallway, and you're walking down that, and there in that hallway is this amazing tapestry. And I see Jesus standing there looking at it with you, and you're looking at the tapestry, but what's behind it is a door. And the Lord says, I want to go in there now. And the shocked look on your face, but Lord, I have disguised that room. I don't go there no more. And the Lord says, it's time for healing there. So you pull back the tapestry and he hands you the key that you threw away and you open the door and the master walks in before you because it will no longer be a tomb. The place of death becomes the womb for living to come forth with life and for the fragments of a very fragile broken memory are being healed and restored in this very moment. I say to you that Jesus is the restorer of the broken spirit. He's the restorer of the broken spirit. And He is the cleaner, the cleanser. He sanctifies. He consecrates. 
He loves you so much. He won't let you hide that room any longer. It's now time for it to be clean. The angels are already moving the tapestry off the, the outside. It's going to be a room where light shines in. Go open the shutters and let the glorious light of God the Father just illuminate. No, no, shame is not. Shame is not going to own that moment. Shame shall not own that moment. This is the moment of healing for you. It's the reconnection. And when you ask him right now, Lord, where were you when this happened to me? I want you to listen for what he says. Because I believe you're going to hear him say that he was there. And he grieved his heart just as much when you were being wrongly treated. He's the healer of the broken place. He's the restorer of the place of the breach. He's the giver of life. And he's the bringer of truth. And I ask that the spirit of truth would come into your heart and heal that room and that you would be restored this very day. Because in the room that once was a tomb, he wants it to be an abode for the Holy Spirit and for there to be life flowing from it. We thank you, Father, that you will abide in this precious one who hears my words even now as they are the words of your heart to them. I thank you that you are bringing healing. I want to say somebody here tonight needs a muscular, skeletal muscular healing in your body. That just seems to be a, a wonderful thing the Lord is bringing healing to. I thank you that the muscle that's been pulled and torn away from where it should be is coming back into place and that the ligaments and tendons are all coming back into order and it is as if he is uh, reattaching them even now and inflammation is a byproduct of what is not properly attached. I just thank the Lord right now that there's restoration coming into your body. I also thank the Lord that he's he is the healer of memories and he puts the memories back in order instead of the devil disheveling your memory box and creating further lies for us to believe. He heals us. So right now, in this safe place, I declare that memories are actually being rightly aligned so that Jesus can show you where he was when you were walking through those dark nights of the soul and restoration coming to you. He is the healer. And he's healing right now because that place too must be a womb for life. A place where life flows, not a tomb, not death. And Lord, I thank you that we shall not be a Gehazi to the man or the woman of God in our life. The one that you put us under, that we would walk with him. We will not be a, an imposter, a poser. Somehow we figured we take the staff of the man of God, that by his authority and we Lay it on that that's dead of someone else's dream that maybe something would happen. Lord, we just declare we shall not be Gehazi, but we will be Elisha. We might be a little while getting there, but we will bring to life again those dead things that people have entrusted to us. I ask that the Holy Spirit in the lives of these men and women, right here under the sound of my voice, that they would be an Elisha to the world that they live in. And that they would even be willing to, in intercession, lay upon the dead thing that normally would uh, make us ceremonially unclean and bring life to it in intercession. 
they would be healed. I want to say that there's a kidney that has a mal a, a malformed there's a malformed kidney in the room, uh, and I just speak life to you in Jesus' name. If that's if you know it's you, then raise your hand. If you don't know it's you, it doesn't matter because I know you're here. I'm looking for you. A kidney that's not formed correctly, the other one's doing the majority of the work, but that malformity should not become an issue later in life. So I just want to declare to you that the Lord is bringing healing to it, and for some way, He's going to... Is it you? Oh, you're just worshiping the Lord. So He's going to show you that it was you. You'll know that it was on this day, August the 11th. Is this the 11th? On August the 11th, the Lord knew about that. It's an issue with the kidney. Has, I'm not a medical person, but it has something to do with the way that it, um, life is supposed to flow into the kidney. Um, the way life flows into the kidney has a malformity to it. And I speak life and health and healing to that. I don't know anatomy, but I know I know the word of the Lord. And so I say to you, wholeness in Jesus' name. I say wholeness to you in Jesus' name. And for you who stood up, did you know that whenever He heals something in you, you become a conveyor of life for that in others? Who's, who's willing to do that? Well, ready or not, you'll have to. Because part of you keeping your own victory is declaring and conveying to another that this is what He's done. You don't hide it. It becomes stale. We're not going to be a, a pond or a, you know, a stagnant puddle of water. We are going to be a flowing life source. Flowing life source. Could we just worship him for a moment and we'll just see what else he says. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We worship you, Jesus. A place where life flows. A place where life flows. A place where life flows. personality. This is what I do know. 
that the word of the Lord to you is that there is a freshness on you and from within you, and people are going to mark it. Ah, yeah, something different about Simeon. It's God. There's something he has to say. Simeon, what do you think about what I'm thinking? And you speak life to it. And then death is dispelled and darkness flees, and it's just the light of God shining. That's the kind of thing that's going to flow from the people that are in this room right here. And I'm aware of the time, and so I just want to bless you. Can I bless you? Would you all stand to your feet now with me? Because we choose to be a place where life flows. Because we choose to be a place where life flows. I ask that you would show them the fruit of life. So I saw in your word where it was in this time and in this place. You would give peace and prosperity. And I thank you that that is the word of the Lord to New, to, to New England. And especially here into Massachusetts and even into parts of New Hampshire, Lord, I'm hearing your word say you're causing peace to come and you're bringing prosperity. So I call for prosperity spiritually, solically, physically, socially, and financially. And I'd like to make a declaration over you that I just recently made here in New England. And if you don't mind, I will proclaim it and you just grab a hold of it, if, if you will. According to Deuteronomy 8.18, it is the Lord that gives us power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant in all the earth. Therefore, I am declaring over you and this house and this ministry jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, estates and inheritances, interests and incomes and rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts demolished, royalties received, businesses begun and businesses blessed, education paid for, relationships restored, godly relationships established, houses and lands acquired, properties and buildings obtained, IRAs and 401ks and every type of investment restored and soaring with strength. I declare over this people and this house divine health and peace. I say it's blessing time in this city of Boston. And I declare the blessing of the Lord in this house. And if there's anybody here who wants any of that, just say amen in this room.